Hey, everybody. Welcome to Roger and Me, a weekly movie review podcast where we aim to celebrate the late, great Roger Ebert and, of course, Gene Siskel as well, and keep their unique spirits of film criticism alive by reviewing all new movies set for not just theatrical release, but also streaming release. We're talking about all the movies fit to print uh, every week, every Friday. We review. We try to be exhaustive. Mark... Uh, Mark Dusick, my co-host uh, of MarkReviewsMovies.com, is a bit more exhaustive. So if there's something we don't cover here, you can check MarkReviewsMovies.com, and odds are it will also be covered there. But we do a pretty damn good job here at the show. We covered nine movies last week. We are covering seven movies this week on Friday, February 24th, 2023. There's only one real wide release, or even... Yeah, that's 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 a true statement. There's only one true wide release this week. It is a universal picture. It is Cocaine Bear. It is a movie that I believe confounded and baffled both hosts of this show, um, but apparently is dazzling audiences and critics nationwide uh, this weekend. So we will definitely be talking about Cocaine Bear right up top. Uh, the rest of the menu, we have The Quiet Girl, which is an Irish film, I believe that was nominated for an Oscar uh, when many people did not expect it to. It snuck in there in the best international category, uh, I would imagine. And uh, we also have a Netflix release from Christopher Landon, who listeners of my other horror podcast, or my other show, which is a horror podcast called The New Flesh, will know I'm not a huge fan of Chris Landon, but my co-host on that show, Jesse Hassinger, is. So we end up talking a lot about Chris Landon, who has done the Happy Death Day movies. There's two of those. Happy Death Day, Happy Death Day to you. He also did um, Freaky, the the body switch movie that had a serial killer uh, switch with a teenage girl, Vince Vaughn, Catherine Newton, from a, f- a couple years ago. I think it was right at the in the in the midst of the pandemic. It got kind of shunted to VOD. Uh, we'll be talking about his latest. It's called We Have a Ghost. It is a Netflix movie. It is a family movie. Um, I wasn't. You know, I never really it's like hit or miss whether I watch a Netflix movie and I was goaded into watching this one. And I will say I'm glad I did. And we'll talk about why that is. Uh, there's a movie called Linoleum starring Jim Gaffigan and uh, Rhea Seahorn of Better Call Saul fame. We've got Jesus Revolution starring Kelsey Grammer of Fraser Crane fame. And we've got God's Time, an indie movie that I missed at Tribeca last year that is being put out by. God, is it IFC? I think it's IFC. Yeah, it's IFC. Yep. Oh, hi, Mark. Hello. No worries. <laughs> Quote uh, 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 Tommy Wiseau. Hi, Mark. Uh, that is Mark Dusick, my co-host, who I haven't let speak yet because I'm on a three-minute uh, long. What do you call this? A monologue, a soliloquy, a filibuster. All of those work. And the last movie we're talking about is My Happy Ending with Andy McDowell that has extreme this was a play energy and i wasn't surprised to find out that it was in fact a play uh what's going on mark before we dive into everything i'll let you uh, say your piece i know you have a whole prepared speech i'm just kidding. i have yeah i do let me get my notes here um <laughs> yeah no i got nothing no i'm just excited to talk again um yeah yeah i'm you know what this is like yeah we we've been, we talked earlier this week because we had to do last week's episode at the start of the week so yeah it's just exciting 
game yeah, is back to you again back. so quickly. And then I think we're going to be talking again pretty quickly for next week, too. Yes, we have to yeah. cram a lot for next week because Mark is, I think, uh, going away for just a few days. But it, it is the you know the weekend days, so we got to get everything in before next Friday, so we can deliver uh, on the podcast for you guys. And I'm happy to be doing that. Of course, we have so many movies to watch for next week, but we'll save that for next week. Yep. I wanted to run through before we go through uh, the movies. I just was, I was, I couldn't fall asleep last night, and I was like, what, what? <laughs> could we name our podcast if we if we move on from roger and me just because i'm trying to think of a a name that people listen to the title and they know what we're doing rather than roger and me which requires a lot of explanation (laughs) um so i'm just gonna rattle them off uh some are better than others they're not they're not very thoughtful but like the movie theater lobby but like does that imply that we're like lobbying for movie theaters? <laughs> Cause I'm just trying to say we are in the movie theater lobby as you would be after the movie talking about it. That's mm-hmm. one. Uh, we've got now playing in theaters, uh, now playing, now streaming. We've got a little, this one's got a little flavor cinephile aisle. <laughs> you could do it like aisle, like an Island or aisle, like a theater aisle. We've got not Siskel, not Ebert. We've got uh, what the fuck with Mark Marin? Oh, that one's already. Oh wait, that's taken. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll scratch that one off. Um, this one may be credit. I'm going to give credit to Lex G at Lex G on Twitter. I don't know if you're familiar or our listeners are familiar, but he would probably claim that this is something he came up with. But I've definitely used it in the past as well. The movie menu, which is like every week you go, what's on the movie menu? What are you seeing? Uh, I'll let those swirl around in your mind, uh, Mark and okay. listener. Um, I will also, uh, I have open submissions. You can throw some at me whenever you want. Listeners, please tweet them at us. Uh, we're just trying to make this show, you know, have longevity. We're trying to end up on a network. I mean, I don't know if Mark cares about that, but I'm trying. I'm trying to get us somewhere. I'm having fun. That's what yeah. I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, we're having a good time. I'm not going to, you know, not do it if we don't sell the show anymore. Oh, yeah. We're gonna, I'm yeah. just uh, happy to be doing it. Would love to to widen the audience. We'd love to see new reviews every week. We got another one this week. Thank you guys so much. Oh. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a review on Spotify. And we will give movies a review right now with Cocaine Bear is where we will start. An Elizabeth Banks picture oh, um, <laughs> written by Jimmy Warden. Uh, let's get right into it. Because they certainly did once they came up with this uh, meme of an idea. And we're going to talk about everything about this movie. Let's go. Cocaine Bear trailer now. Millions of dollars worth of cocaine fell from the sky this morning in Knoxville, Tennessee. There's more of this out there. They dumped it somewhere. I'm looking for my dog. Forest is a dangerous place. Hey, Henry, check it out. Something got into it. A deer, maybe. A lot of cocaine was lost. I need you to go and get it. No, 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 don't eat that, don't eat that. Let's see what kind of effect that has. The bear, it fucking did cocaine. A bear did cocaine. Honestly, perfect trailer. If you thought that was laugh out loud funny, not only the bear doing cocaine, but then a character twice, two times in a row, yelling, the bear did cocaine. 
if that is funny to you, this movie will be a laugh riot. And I'm I'm afraid Mark and I are going to have egg on our faces when this movie not only does makes a lot of money this weekend, but is beloved enough to be like referenced at the Oscars this year or some shit. I just I cannot believe the reception I'm seeing because when I saw this movie at a screening, it played. It was so dead in the water right away. It just didn't work for me at all. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I assumed most people were on my wavelength. Everyone I went with was on my wavelength. But now I keep seeing positive reviews out there in the wild. We'll try to keep this above the belt. I don't want to be an asshole, but I may come off like an asshole talking about this movie because I can't help but feel like a stick in the mud here, Mark, because... I don't want to begrudge anybody who does enjoy this movie or would enjoy this movie because I'm someone who should enjoy this movie. What it is doing is it's it's essentially a horror comedy that's like a creature feature monster movie where like the guy going around killing people isn't a slasher figure like Jason Voorhees. It is a bear on cocaine, which sounds like so silly and so dumb. But yes, ripe for like a fun movie if it capitalizes on all these elements. Unfortunately, this is the wrong movie for that. It doesn't do that at all. It is. It has the gore and the violence to a level that I did not expect. It is very R-rated. It really delivers on the gore as if the selling point was like, there's going to be a lot of fucking blood and guts in this movie. Check this shit out. So that was surprising. But at the same time... Even as a horror hound, I can't believe that, like, I found it so mean and cruel and so hard. Like, what is the joke of the kills other than, yeah, the you know, these people are fodder for a bear to be, you know, a cocaine bear to kill. That's all they have to be written as. But the movie wants to be sweet and it wants to be funny, but it just is so mean in the way it disposes of people that, like, it not, it's not fun. I found it to be like abhorrent in a way that I felt like, again, I feel like a stick in the mud, like scolding everyone for enjoying this thing. But like, it's so fucking bad. It's so awful. It's so not funny. Um, again, I'm ranting. So you speak. No, but I'm glad you had the same reaction because I felt really weird watching this with, you know, people in my theater were laughing and I, but I was like, this isn't funny. The joke, it starts off, I think it starts off, I think it starts off, I'm trying to remember now, there's like one good joke in the movie, and that's when the drug lord who's dumping all the cocaine out is about to jump out of the out of his airplane with a parachute, he bangs his head on the hatch, yeah, I and it's like, that's funny, Yeah, that's a good gag, it's a really simple gag, but it's a funny gag, because the guy kind of has it coming to him, because we don't know, one, we don't know anything about him, except that he's just throwing a bunch of drugs everywhere, who knows where they're going to land, it's like, okay, yeah, that's fine, I get it, it's a good joke, and yeah. Um, but everything else, like I think, I think the actual opening of the movie though might be the hiker scene, which yes. really, really put a bad taste in my mouth because it's two hikers from Norway, and one of the they just got engaged. They're on like this like pre wedding, you know, ex- adventure in the United States, and I don't understand why it's so funny that like the woman ends up being mauled, oh, and then her fiance ex- has the leg in front of him and he's like horrified and in trauma for the rest of the movie. Cause he shows up later. Is it because they have funny accents? Is that the joke? Ding, 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 ding. Yes. I don't. The movie it's is so sh- juvenile Mark that the fact that characters have Norwegian or Swedish or whatever it is, whatever accent they have, that's like not American. It's a foreign accent. That is definitely 
why people are are laughing i think i, I was it's trying to so understand weird. it because when he reappears the same thing happened he's like he says something it's not even a joke not funny and the audience howled i i need to preface something i said that you know it was a bad theater experience my friend and i turned to each other i, I talked to several critics after and we all agreed i don't know what your experience is with I, I used to be, I don't know if it's more naive or less naive, but I used to just think when they would like fill the screening with people who are super excited to be there, that it was like a happenstance and was like, they have like an email list with people who for some reason are like so hype about movies and like, we'll go see them and they'll love them. It's like, uh, I just thought it was this innocent thing, but this was the first time I've ever noticed that there were paid shills in the audience laughing at this movie. And I don't say that lightly. I know it sounds like a crazy conspiracy thing to say about a movie you don't like. Like, oh man, everyone who laughs at this must be a paid shill. And I don't think that, generally speaking. I know I know several people who like this movie, including good friend and film critic of mine, Jordan Hoffman, who really liked it. So like, I know there are people that like that. And I'm not trying to like dismiss that the only people who could possibly like it are paid by the studio. Not saying that. But I am saying... There were some people paid by the studio to be there and they were laughing their asses off. And it was, you could tell because it wasn't natural. They were laughing at moments that were not meant for comic beats, even. They were just like hemming and hawing. It was crazy. Um, I, I don't want to talk about that much more because it's very inside baseball, but it drove me nuts and it made the whole thing even more of a surreal experience. It's so, yeah, I mean, it is so strange and i really i really you're right you're right on the money with it it is mean and cruel and un, in an unnecessary way like i don't the alden einra character his his character arc is he's grieving his wife who died of cancer who gave him a new lease on life and now his son is motherless and the joke is he's really sad about it like that's supposed to be funny he's I know. crying at this <laughs> dive bar eating pasta and like the the joke is kind of funny that you the, would the penne, eat pasta the, yeah, the yeah, while you're grieving. And, and he asked that, if there's sauce on it. And he's like, it's just butter. Like, like I, that's kind that's of like funny. The closest it got to me being like, this is kind of funny. But, but the yeah. whole thing is him that he is sad and he is very, very heartbroken about his wife dying. And it's like you make those connections like you have the hiker who is in trauma and grieving. And then you have this guy who's in trauma and grieving. And that's supposed to be funny. And then when you watch a bear attack and maul and behead a bunch of people out of the blue and you think, why is that funny? Apparently, the whole movie just thinks being mean and cruel towards people and like disregarding any kind of sense of humanity is funny in itself. And I didn't find it funny. And that's why I do feel a bit like a moral scold with this one. I'm trying not to, but it really just it's not funny. I felt bad for the bear. <laughs> I felt bad for no this, one else. There's no one else bad, to feel yeah. bad about. I felt bad for this ugly CGI creation that I also yeah. see people praising as like visually compelling, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Literally, what the fuck are you talking about? I could not believe how poorly, like, it's just bad CGI for the bear, which is fine. What are you going to do? Hire a real bear? This isn't Doctor Doolittle and Doctor Doolittle Two with Eddie Murphy. They don't do that anymore. Okay, there's no real bears being put in movies, and like, that's fine. But you know yeah. what really summed up the movie's energy and like laziness and lack of even attempting to like make it believable at all? There's like a shot of the bear's arm grabbing like snacks from on top of a garbage can. This movie doesn't even have the decency 
to like buy a prosthetic bear arm and have it like like have someone hold it and put it in the frame and grab some food. It doesn't even have that degree. This 75, I think, million dollar movie, I think that's the budget. This hugely expensive movie couldn't be fucking bothered to do that to make it like this much more believable for us. It just never cares that it's this big CGI thing. It just and that's fine. Again, if this movie was fun and funny and like the tone worked and like the it delivered on the kills but also made me laugh along with it instead of feel like bad for laughing at it. And there's also this whole thing about it's based on a true story, which like the movie knows it's horseshit because it says inspired by a true story, really, which, you know, is like a launching pad for this is a nugget of truth, but we really ran with it. And I just keep seeing so many people taking it at face value in their reviews and being like, it's a true story and not interrogating it at all. And there's the opposite problem where it's like clickbait everywhere. It's like, there's the cocaine bear. Here's the true story. Like this whole thing is just such like a fully like, the whole concept is like this fully baked meme thing, right? Where it's like, it's trying to be this cult thing. It's trying to be this funny meme thing without like putting in the work to be a fun movie that people naturally gravitate to and will make it a cult hit. They're like manufacturing a cult hit. Like when you put out like a Sharknado and you're like, isn't it funny that we made this bad movie? But instead, like this one is just bad. I have to like stress. It's not so bad. It's good. It's like, I found it insulting to the audience how bad this like that's the level of bad I found like this movie has such contempt for its audience it just is a it is this dumb and it, and doesn't doesn't have anything else to do I just couldn't believe like you could you could excise any subplot from this movie and it wouldn't matter yeah. and they did you can tell I've never seen a movie so egregiously uh, cut to let's make this 90 minutes like hard stop let's get it to 90 minutes and be done and this movie has a scene in the third act i think it is that just it's like a flashback to a few minutes ago or something. yes yeah that was so weird it was like, the most remember what happened to that guy <laughs> remember what happened to that guy a few minutes ago and it was so clearly this whole scene got axed and they had to for some reason show us this dead guy i just it's the most Again, I just couldn't believe the level of laziness with like, we have a scene that doesn't even make any fucking sense and we left it in there because the audience doesn't care. It just shows a level of contempt for the audience. And you know what? I'm happy there's people out there who enjoy it, but I do feel condescending when I say that based on the, everything else I just said because I, I just don't know what to say. Like, I genuinely am baffled that anyone could watch this and think it was fun. And... uh that sounds like we're yeah. being jerks. I could have if, yeah. this, if this had just been straight up horror, it could have worked. Is that I think why, it could have like, worked? I just I'm, I'm genuinely baffled and confounded by why uh, it doesn't for work for me. Yeah. For me, it really is the fact that it's trying to laugh at all of this pain and misery and suffering for no other reason except that it's it's apparently funny, and I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why they think it's funny. Um, but if it had been straight up horror, I think it might have worked it definitely i think would have worked better than this potentially because yeah. who knows you know these characters could have we could have cared about them we could have hated them i didn't feel anything about these characters because i don't think the movie cares about them they're yeah, just it doesn't they're just to be eaten and killed by the bear and that's it and yeah, i and not, it's not yeah. i don't know there's so many I, in my head because of this whole situation except for the bear you know eating ingesting the cocaine and then you know the real life bear died um, but that's it. Nobody knows that's what where happened I was, otherwise. I forgot I was I forgot I was getting there. The true story yeah. 
is this happened in terms of guy threw coke out of a plane to be retrieved by somebody else and a bear got to it ate it and died that's the, yeah. that's the story that's it so like it. envisioning that as what if he actually went on a cocaine fueled rampage and killed a bunch of people i see the I, I see why this sold as like a spec script like i totally get on paper why that's fun but you have to do something different with the tone than what this movie's doing. It is doing the most cruel, vicious violence and then attempting to be like this ju- like the rest of the time it's all juvenile humor. I it just none of it worked and I am baffled by that fact. But hey, yeah. sub- subjectivity and all that stuff. It could be um, it could have been yeah, it could have been a horror movie, just that, no comedy. It could have been a comedy about all these like horrible people trying to exploit the bear on cocaine and maybe they get, yeah. so, you know, that could have been something like one or the other could have worked this combination, especially without any kind of consideration for why this is supposed to be funny or even yes, trying to make it kind well, of scary. Yeah. Cause it's not scary at all. That's another thing I would, I have in, in my notes. Like there's no suspense. There's no tension. Every scene where the bear is coming, it's like a stereo. It's like a parody of a horror movie scene where you know every everything that's about to happen. There's not even any like attempt to subvert like the camera's panning and then you know that the the claw is going to hit the tree. It just hits the tree. Like it just does everything you know it's going to do with like no flair or anything. Like I, that's why I said it was specifically not everyone. You 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 hit. <laughs> I feel like I'm already getting joked that I'm a misogynist for saying I don't like this work of a female director. Like whatever. I like plenty of female directors. I don't need to justify that. But like, it's genuinely a very poorly directed movie, and we already talked about the editing and how it's just like haphazardly cut to shit. Um, and the crazy thing about the the reception being what it is is the embargo was so late, an hour before the actual show starts, that the studio knows it was bad. And I, I bet they're just as surprised as we are that like everyone's like they're like oh it worked people like it oh our our our, our test screenings didn't work but uh, apparently when you put paid shills everyone it's infectious and everyone pretends to like it there's like a performative element to it and maybe it's because I was in that screening with people who were like fake laughing but it really is I don't understand why like what's funny and it's just. All I could think of, like, people, like, just want this to be good. Like, I want it to be good, but I'm not going to laugh at things that aren't funny. I don't know. I I found the whole thing to be a massive bummer. And if I wasn't reviewing it for the show, this is a movie I would have 100% walked out of just because I was like, I'm not vibing with this at all. And there's nothing here for me. Um, I got to go with the, the very, very, very rare thing that Ebert did, which is... I guess that now on the website, it manifests as a thumbs down. It doesn't have any reviews. It doesn't have any stars. Mm-hmm. But in the newspaper, back in the day, Ebert would deploy a very rare zero stars. And I think I got to give Cocaine Bear a zero star review. My That's, first ever on the show. I am I am fine with you doing that. I'm giving it a very generous one star just because as much as I... I don't know. There's like a couple elements, maybe like I did. I did laugh. Like I said, I laughed about the pasta and I laughed about the guy hitting his head. And I found at least Carrie Russell's character. We didn't even talk about her. She's uh, the only somewhat sympathetic character. In the well, movie also she's looking for her missing daughter, from her <laughs> daughter who was stolen by the bear. Like, <laughs> yes, I know we haven't even, we haven't even, yeah, we didn't even how stupid everything is, which is like, fine. Again, this movie should be dumb. But it shouldn't think yeah. the audience is dumb, right? Like there's some yes. there's some sort of disconnect 
that I find it like rude the way this movie treats me as an audience member. I don't know. I, yeah. I it doesn't. I, yeah. Go ahead. I, my point is, I get the zero stars, and if I had been feeling a little bit, I don't know. Yeah, maybe if it hadn't screened on Wednesday night and the embargo wasn't coming up, I would have, yeah. you know, talked myself into, yeah, this is totally zero stars. But I gave it one, and that's what I'm giving it. And, yeah, yeah, I just, I mean, it's I doubt. Bad. I doubt I'll see a worse movie this year. And I know we like reviewed shit like fear and fear is reprehensible too, but I don't know. I enjoy like that movie had more batshittedness going on and was like, it's more fun to discuss than this movie. Like, I don't know. I really found it to be just the worst. It's maybe it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And that's why I'm so just like bewildered. And I feel like I'm like, I'm literally alienating people on my twitter twitter feed by going against this movie so hard i like i've never i very rarely feel this way mark but i have i have secondhand embarrassment like by being i'm not even a professional in my mind film critic like i'm not even associated with film critics in my mind but like you know there are some people who might say that i am and like i'm embarrassed by that association by the mostly positive reception that critics are giving this movie i just it's that it's like the pretending thing it, again i don't i can't project onto anybody anything i know there are people who genuinely enjoyed it but what the last thing i'll say based on the type of people in my feed who are like yelling at me for liking the movie there's some of them that i follow and i can say this with confidence and i'm sorry if this is you and i'm subtweeting you um but this movie is like the super bowl for people who text and post on social media while they watch movies like it's not a movie that you're supposed to watch and pay attention to the story because there isn't one. You can text your friend and say LOL and take a picture of the screen and post it on Instagram and nothing will be missed. And I think that's part of like why I don't like it. I think the movie knows that. Oh, I wonder why there are so I wonder if that's why there are so many like long takes of like there's that guy like with his wrist hanging off and everything. Why that shot lasts for so long? Is that so that the audience members could like get a picture of yeah. a video of themselves? Like, oh yeah. I never even I thought do of that. Think yeah, that. the movie is a meme and you know marketing it as a meme do you and remember telling people to do memes while you're at the theater is i mean that's good do marketing. you remember the early internet meme like to me a me- early internet meme just an image with text on it like that that white text that you know the the font of because it's meme font but it was just a bear with snow on his face roaring and it said i fucking love cocaine and that i don't remember that that was the extent of the joke it's very early internet humor there was up no, there was no extension of that universe right that was the whole joke and it like people would spread it around and people fi- found it funny whatever this movie is that like that's it like that's as far as it goes it's like when if you were to make a movie that's just like a bunch of kittens hanging out or something it's like this is something the internet is already inherently in on and you're like ca- trying to capitalize on some goofy trend you don't really understand and i i, I found the whole exercise depressing i found it yeah. depressing and um Weird that Elizabeth Banks chose to open the movie with the song that opens Wet Hot American Summer and every episode of the Wet Hot American uh, Summer oh, TV yeah. show. It's it's Jefferson Jefferson Starship. Yeah. Uh, Jane. It's one of those. Yeah, yeah. It's a great song, but it's so it associated with that property that I found it very strange. Like it's a head nod. She's in that movie and the show. I get it, but the whole thing is is fucked up. I'm sorry, Miss Banks. Uh, someone needs to save Mrs. Banks. Only the real heads will get that joke. Only the real movie heads. Um, okay, let's move on to another movie that isn't a zero-star movie. I scheduled this 
episode, I laid it out so we wouldn't be just ragging on shit. <laughs> uh, a bunch of a bunch of movies in a row. So right now we're gonna pivot to a movie we both genuinely loved. Because I need to be re my love for cinema is waning after 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 Cocaine Bear, and we need to reinvigorate it. So let's talk about the Quiet Girl. How long should they keep her till after the baby? <sighs> she can't take her as long as the lake. Well, ich erin galinsa. Shasamach, godare me splechi kartart. Can work her. She led you a house and home. Oh, don't we all eat in spurts? Same as we grow. We keep the child gladly. A yawn, how quite a dull hobo. Cut! Cut! You fed the little funny, my son. On a rein to me! Now be a lord. Now, I haven't seen enough Irish language movies to make that statement that if you're watching on YouTube, like one of the 46 people who are watching on YouTube, you would have seen it just said, the best ever Irish language film. I can't go that far, but it's probably the best one I've ever seen. I thought it was great. Mark, what is The Quiet Girl and why are you, I want to say, very rare, just as rare as a zero from me, is a four. Four out of four from Mark. And this got it. We talked about it on the Best of the Year episode, but... um. Yeah, reiterate or say it differently. However just you want to do it. it. I'll say it as much as I can. I mean, I I just adore this film so much, and it's so simple. It's so just to the point. It's just about this girl in Ireland in the early 1980s. Um, she and she found big... she finds this big thing of cocaine. Yes, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and then the memes start. Oh, it's so funny that we talk about this movie and we say how little humanity there is in Cocaine Bear. This movie is just a wash in humanity. It is yes. just all about how 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 amazing it is to be a human and to have connection with other people. It's just a great counterpoint to the last movie. Anyway, so little girl ends up um, with distant relatives from her farm because the farm is, you know, it's a big family. She has like multiple siblings and there are more. There's another one on the way. And the father primarily is just annoyed having this many kids. And it's suggested he's abusive. It never shows anything, but you get that idea. This girl is just quiet. She hides all the time. She wets the bed because she's too scared to make any kind of noise of using the restroom and would rather just do that. So she ends up in this remote house with these distant cousins on a farm and just immediately like the... The, the cousin, the, the wife, starts just treating her like a child and just you yes. know, is, talks kindly to her. Gets to, She gets out of the car. I mean, just how how impactful it is when the little girl steps out of the car and the, the cousin just gets down on one knee to be to meet her, literally meet her on her level. Yes. It's just so a great visual that means so much. Yeah. Yep. The whole film is filled with those. It's filled You're with right. all of these You're visuals right. and yeah. like montages of just these people working together. Um, the wife is brushing her hair and counting, and you see like them learning. You know, she's learning how to use a vacuum cleaner, and they're 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 chopping onions together, they're peeling potatoes together. They're just being like a family, and it doesn't. It seems so little, but the way that all of it comes together, the way that you just feel this rhythm and pattern of just these characters just being together and learning from each other and spending time with each other, just all that, it just makes such a huge impact. 
that's the wife. Now, what's really, what really tipped, I think what really tipped the movie over the edge for me is that there's the husband. He's played by Andrew Bennett and he is fantastic in this film. He starts off being a little bit, you know, yeah, he's closed off from the girl. We find out why eventually it's not a big surprise what happens, but it doesn't matter. Like you, yeah. the whole point I think is you're supposed to piece together that there's some, even though there's the wife tension. says there are no there's secrets. Reasons. Yeah. Yeah. There's no secrets to this house. There is a big secret in this house and it gets revealed later. The yeah, husband it, is again, just pretty obvious yeah. secret, but it doesn't yeah. dampen any of the impact. No, yeah. knowing it, knowing it makes it yeah. so much more impactful. Yeah. I would agree. Um, yeah. But just like, watching on a yeah. rewatch, were you just like the whole oh my time? God. Were you fucking bawling? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was trying not to. This is a great yeah. uh, tear duct cleanser. I will just say yeah. that much. Yeah. Because it's a guaranteed just by the end of it for sure. Um, yeah. So just the way that the husband and this and this girl, you know, start opening up to each other and learning things and just little ways like he puts everyone talks about the scene where he just puts the cookie down on the table in front of her. Just such a beautiful, yeah, simple, my, lovely moment. My entire letterbox review just is if you give a girl a cookie, which is an alternate yeah. title they should could have used in America. Really, really spoken to the children. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to describe it. It's just you seriously just sit there watching this makeshift family learn to be together and learn from each other and learn to you know what love means like just what it means to love somebody and to be loved by somebody to actually the 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 wife puts it so so perfectly she just says she just needs a little minding just that idea of just like minding tending to somebody caring for somebody yeah the whole film is just about that and man just the way that it is put together it's edited so precisely it's such a it's short beautif- film but it's beautifully crafted beautifully, beautifully crafted. crafted i just yeah. i cannot say any more except that you just become involved and invested in all the lives of these characters and it just washes over you this yeah. good feeling and then wallop yeah. ending is a wallop, wallop. Ending, ending is, is wallop. i didn't it's one of those things where i was like not quite arms folded i don't see what everyone sees in this movie type of thing which is like how i felt the first half of after sun and then i was like totally on its side by the end yeah almost the same thing here where i was like yeah this is really nice but like it's a little like you think it's I don't want to call it slow because it's not. It's like 95 minutes or something and it breezes by. But like it just it kind of lulls you into like, I don't know. It like quietly. All I'm trying to say is it very quietly sneaks up on you with like just such weight. The emotional impact of the final shot and the final scene. If I, it's it's like a robot test, right? If you're not bawling at that end, check your programming. You are a robot. Um, it's great. I mean, we have to start giving out I've said the quote a million times, but Roger Ebert's one of his most famous quotes is the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. And I feel like every now and then we should award a movie with like the empathy Ebert empathy award. And the quiet girl is a perfect embodiment of that sentiment. And I think we should award it the made up Ebert empathy award that I just made up. It's very good. Um, I'm trying to think of what else to say. It's one of those movies where I do want to watch it again. And Mark has because I I was already by the end starting to notice things where it's like this movie gives you everything. It's all on screen already. And you just kind of have to pick up the pieces and you could like like the foreshadowing is probably all there is what I'm imagining. Like everything that ends up happening. I just think it's so because I, I it's just in my mind so expertly crafted that I'm dying to watch it again and see how things I, you know, how the, the the table was set the whole time type of shit for that to happen. Um, 
it's it's yeah very powerful cinema uh i i don't want to i don't want to harsh any mellows here i don't think it deserves anything less than four stars as well i think it's a four star um go see it picture and i would be delighted if this one best international feature yeah i would too for sure easily i mean it's yeah it was my number three of the year just overall for the entire year last year so yeah I would be very, very happy if it won. I was, I was hoping it would get some more awards, not just from the Academy, but also just like critics groups seem to sleep on it for the most part, which is weird. I don't know why. I have a feeling it was because they weren't, some of them might have been 100% sure if it was actually getting a qualifying run before the end of the year. And so people right. might have skipped it or they might have just said, oh, it's just a movie about a little girl who goes visit some relatives and not understanding what all that means yeah. uh, when it's presented in this fashion with such depth of feeling and such depth of insight into what people are like. Uh, yeah, whatever. If you missed it, you know, did you uh, ever critics, see, if you missed it, go see it. Did you ever see Carla Simone's Summer 1993? Um, it's very similar. Very similar setup. It's on movie. Also, like a soft recommend. I don't think it's as good as Quiet Curl, but I only mention that because Carla Simone has a new movie on movie that was in theaters here, and I forgot to see. So we should also see that at some point called Alcaraz. Um, but Summer Nineteen Ninety Three. I think if you haven't seen it, you would like it. But it's also the same thing where it's like it's hard to recommend after you see the Quiet Girl because I'm like I think the Quiet Girl just is this premise, but a little more impactful. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to. I will look into it because yeah. there were a couple of movies that seemed like that just came out like season slash year mm. of in the last few years. I don't remember if I saw that one. I don't I think see. I did though. Yeah, I don't right think on. I did. Um, let's move on to the next movie. It is a Netflix film. I talked about it earlier. Chris Landon's We Have a Ghost. Now, at the same time, I'm pleasantly surprised by this movie, but I still can't wholeheartedly recommend it. I think we'll talk about why. Um, in just a second. Here's the trailer for We Have a Ghost. We're all here trying to get a fresh start. Nothing like bad happened here, right? You moved into the house of death. Everyone says it's haunted. No, 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 don't go. I miss the nightmare. We have a ghost. Okay. No, I'm serious. Kevin caught him on camera. Oh, we got some off. No, 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 no. The entire world is captivated with Ernest. Three million views in six minutes. That's money. <laughs> Our whole street's kind of mad thanks to you guys. Jesus Christ. It's fun. And I. W- I really wish it were like 90 minutes so I could unabashedly say three stars. I liked it. Go see it at two hours. It like just strains my, my kindness uh, a little too far. I feel like it just kind of loses itself and, and like has too many endings type of thing. It just kind of keeps going and ha- I don't know what the issue is exactly. Cause I was never like bored during it, but it's ultimately like a very sweet, very fun Amblin style kids horror movie that could definitely serve as like a fun gateway for a kid who's into horror. And I, I like that about it. 
Um, why did you connect with it so much? I'm assuming it's because it has its heart. It wears its heart on its sleeve mm-hmm. and it keeps banging that heart drum <laughs> throughout yep. the movie. And yeah, I, yeah. Okay. Go on. I mean, sorry. yeah, that's that, no, no, don't apologize. No, that's no, you literally hit it. It was just because, yeah, I, I was surprisingly moved by the end of it because it really does get it's to sweet. this. sweet. It's yeah. very sweet and like it it's so earnest and like it's so earnest and names its lead character Ernest. Let's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it yeah, has there's... these uh two kid leads who are really great and uh Anthony Mackie is surprisingly really great like his character has a lot of weight to it. That's the thing. Every character has more weight to it than you'd expect for this type of movie and the emotional impact is there. And I, again, it's like, a. am going to end up giving this movie like two and a half, which is basically like a soft recommend. Like you might like it. If you have kids, go see it or definitely watch it on Netflix. You'll definitely enjoy it more than most kids fare. But as like a 30, whatever year old, I just can't be like, yeah, I loved it. I liked it. I found it to be cute and fun. Even if I thought the ghost design was like ugly kind of, and um, just minimalist. I mean, whatever. They don't really do very much with it. Yeah, I mean, it's, that it one does what scene, it needs to do. There's, there's that one scene where they do do stuff with it, and that was fun. Uh, that was fun, and that's yeah. what I liked. To, I, that's the other reason I liked it, is that it does just keep shifting like its intentions and its genre, really. Like, it starts off seeming like it's going to be straight-up horror film yeah. with that long take from across it's, the street. That's cute. It, that's cute, too. I, I like, like that. I like that opening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you have this level of distance, and so it sets up... You know, we're talking about, again, once again, I'm just going to keep harping on Cocaine Bear, apparently. A movie that can't figure out the tone. It doesn't get the tone right. This movie gets the tone right right away with just that simple shot. Like, this is a horror movie, but it's not quite your typical horror movie because we're not going to show you the ghost. We're not going to show you what scares anybody. And it has the ghost emoji come up, which also tells you what kind of movie it's going to be. That too, yeah. And all the social media stuff, which honestly was lambasted similarly in, what was it? Marcel Deschel with Shoes On kind of does a similar thing with like an internet phenomenon. But I I love that element of this movie. I thought was so clever. The way yeah. that like the way that Ernest becoming a social media sensation manifests, like people are talking about ghost rights and people are getting indignant about people who can't fathom the idea of ghost rights and just all the all the silly jokes about the internet. I yeah. thought were very... it becomes a sex symbol. And yeah. uh, I, yes. my favorite was the run through a wall challenge. I really like yes. that because that would definitely be something that would happen. <laughs> exactly. It's like all those elements are so real i i want to say a better phrase i had it and i lost it like they're also uh they they feel very true to life and the movie feels um like it's not it's not written by people who don't understand the internet it's written by people who fundamentally do understand it and that really does help make it sing in those regards but again like it just kind of wore me out by the end the the premise is basically what if et was beetlejuice <laughs> with some poltergeist elements thrown in, kind of. It's just kind of Amblin horror soup, right? But um, it colors within those lines quite well. The car chase, which I would say is clearly an homage to The Matrix Reloaded, because uh, that gag is... If not, it's stolen, and it should, I should be angry. But like, it rips a really great car chase gag with ghosts from Matrix Reloaded, and I think it works. So yeah, it's hard for me to justify why i gave it two and a half and not three i'm like teetering because like i liked it but i'm also like two hours 
Are you kidding yeah. me? And with credits, it's like two hours and seven minutes, but that's like that's your Netflix that's, credits. Is that yeah, why? That's the general Netflix thing because they add like you have to add like the three minutes for all of the um what do you call it? All the foreign language dubbing and oh, subtitling. Oh sure. It, yeah, you I always take off like ten minutes off of a Netflix runtime because it's the credits are gonna go on forever. Um that's but a yeah, hot I mean tip. it does yeah, it is a hot tip. There you go. But it does go on. It does go on a little bit too long. I mean, yeah, all the stuff with the government trying to find the ghost, if not for the fact that it's Tig Notaro doing some really good work here as well, the conflicted government agent. Yeah. I, I love mean, her and I felt bad that she doesn't really get to be very funny. Like Jennifer Coolidge yeah. gets to be funny. Um, mm-hmm. But Tig Notaro, while good, is a little wasted, I would say. But that whole subplot, I that's kind of what didn't take me out of it. But I'm like... This is just so, you know, again, that's where like the ET stuff comes in for me yep. part, partially. Um, but it also, I don't know. I don't know if I needed the CIA subplot, but like that's the thing. The no, movie just is, so. it's yeah. just too busy with a bunch of stuff. But at the same time, I'm not arguing that like that stuff fundamentally doesn't work. I'm just like, it just is too much. There's so much stuff. And the movie's kind of weird about the, the way it treats the mom. And I don't really know why. Like it well, treats her like really, she's like, it's like, yeah, well, I think it's just because there's nothing really to do with her. It's not, there's nothing yeah. really to do with her or with the older brother. It's just about it turns out to be about the son and the father and the ghost, and that's really all the only three characters who matter by the yeah. end. And so, but you have to have those characters there. Um, the cultural, I don't know, spe- the cultural specificity of the 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 problems that the characters have, like that the 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 young girl character comes from this family where she feels like they're always, you know, perfectionists and stuff like that. I just appreciated those again, the, the the details that make it feel like real people and not like stock Netflix movie characters. It definitely like the biggest praise I can give this movie is that it is like much better than your typical Netflix fare. And um, I stand by that even at my two and a half ghosts out of four review. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm a little bit more. I I understand your uh your complaints about it or your your misgivings about it, and I might share them a bit. But yeah, it just it got to me. But like it the works. Story, it's funny. It's story sweet. resolves. Yes, the the way the story resolves, all of it works. Like I thought it yeah. worked on an emotional level, and like wasn't cheap. And the actual mystery of what happened. Yeah, was, like compelling. Like it, it works. So like I'm yeah. again. I feel like an asshole for two and a halfing it. But, there's so many. Yeah, yeah, there's so many things this movie does do. It does. It does the Amblin government, you know, ET style conspiracy, whatever that they're trying to capture. It, it does a, a murder mystery essentially, and it does a thriller like, in the third act, and it does yeah. all those things well enough that I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm into this. Plus, yeah, the specificity of these characters and these relationships carried it through for me and yeah i was moved by the end because the go- way the ghost story resolves i wasn't expecting that yeah um, me neither and it worked Maybe i'll bump it up i feel like yeah i gotta bump I don't it know. up now it's one of those um yeah i definitely do want to recommend it uh to people who you know you don't mind watching like a kitty horror movie because that's what it is but it's definitely sweet and i would take this over a new ghostbusters whatever that after <laughs> ghostbusters after yeah that movie. one yeah like i would take this over that even though i thought that was also just like fine but like this this movie's better and doesn't reek of anything other than like i'm making a modern ghost story with like a cute little haunted house or uh, ghost story haunted house movie with like modern touches and um updates that actually work and do not feel grating so yeah i'm still sticking at two and a half out of four but i will bump up my letterbox to three out of five that's <laughs> where we're go. at there um, it is 
Yeah, there I'll it is. I'll take it. It's I'm literally... going three out of four. Okay. I, yeah, I liked it. Good, 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 good. Let's move on to the next movie, which uh, I wanted to like this movie more than I did. And I will talk about it. I don't know why that is. Um, I see the praise for it. And I'm like, I read those reviews and I'm like, yeah, that's the movie. I, I wish it impacted me that way. And I wish it landed, uh, so to speak, that way. We'll talk about it. Here's Linoleum with Jim Gaffigan. There are two kinds of people in the world, Cameron. Astronomers and astronauts. Some look at the stars. Others spin them. You look like a younger, better-looking version of me. You don't believe me, do you? It's a really crazy story, Ken. Tony, did you get the Saturday morning to another show? They want a different host. Kent Armstrong. I, I can't believe you crashed your car yesterday. I'm afraid I have no idea what you're talking about. It's like my antithesis. What? Some old-ass Russian rocket fell from outer space and it crashed in our backyard. Man, all that trailer did was remind me how fucking flimsy the twist is and how it kind of undermines... It just like makes me question... Like, well, that scene didn't make sense. That scene didn't make sense based on the twist that is revealed at the end. Um, I don't want to... We're not going to spoil it, obviously. But, like, it's a movie that the entire thing relies on that cheap trick that is a twist uh, to work. And if it doesn't work, it just undermines the whole thing and it makes it feel manipulative. But I was really into the themes explored in this movie. But, again, by the time you get to the end you realize it was all kind of this futile exercise um, of like wheel spinning to get you to this point. And I kind of like, I was kind of mad at the movie by the end. I'm like, that's not fair. Like you got to an interesting place, but it wasn't fair how you got me there. Does that make any sense? Am I sounding like a lunatic? No, um, it does make sense. And I'm, yeah, because it's, it starts off with the car falling from the sky. It's like, yep. yeah, that's a, that's a, striking visual that's a striking uh event to happen and i think like yeah the rest of the movie does kind of set you up to be like i'm trying to figure out why these sometimes occasionally weird things are happening that you start looking for connections and you start looking for weird things like i started to wonder like why why is there this subplot with the teenage daughter meeting this new neighbor who seems to be the son of gaffigan's doppelganger all that stuff you're like looking for connections i could never quite figure out what's going on which is you know in theory to the movie's benefit but by the time it it does reveal what is going on it did feel like a cheat because it doesn't make any sense it only makes sense in this broad vague way of what it's trying to communicate about um i can't i can't even say what i want to say it's what it's trying to communicate with the ending it, well, it's, it's only a movie, broad and vague yeah. about it. I was like, it's a movie. If we're talking about, you can talk about the plot and what it is, but like the theme of it, and what I would say it's about, it's a movie about, you know, growing old and missing out on all the fantastic things you thought you'd do. Right. And like, yeah. I'm such a sucker for that narrative. I will praise movies that have that theme probably next week in the future. I feel like I just saw one that I loved. So no matter how much I was into it, by the end, it's revealing, oh, no, we were just fucking with you the whole time. And then it really falls apart because it just like there's no truth to any of I just can't trust. Like, I just don't know what I'm watching anymore. I'm like, I'm watching a fake set of like 
it just doesn't it doesn't it, it's what's the word i'm looking for it's it i don't know because it's hard to say it's hard it's to hard say to because yeah yeah it feels unfair is all i can say like it doesn't feel like you're doing the correct work to land at a specific like this theme is what i'm exploring and i want to explore it in this way and land the audience in this place and the only way i can get there is by tricking them like i just maybe that's my problem with it because i'm trying to understand but it just once it's revealed to be doing what it's doing i think it cheapens the whole enterprise and um that's really all there is to it right but what is the we haven't even talked about the premise if you want to uh get into that a little bit all right so yeah the so the, the setup is gaffigan's like the host of this science-based tv show for kids like bill nye basically um and yeah car falls from the sky inside the car is a guy who looks to be his doppelganger he's more successful he was an astronaut gaffigan's character dreamed of becoming an astronaut um uh, Gaffigan's the, the initial Gaffigan character is having issues with his wife, played by Rhea Seahorn, who wants a divorce. Everything's just kind of, you know, all up in the air. Everybody wanted something out of life that didn't quite get it. It's, I know you, for you, it, it touched a nerve or it hit something kind of like with me, like movies that are about people trying to do their best for themselves and for each other and all that stuff. But that gets to me. This. Yeah can get to me but it didn't quite because it felt repetitive it's all it's, all of yeah. the, all of the characters are trying to figure out like oh i really want wanted this out of life and i didn't quite get it um or like the teenage son and the teenage daughter like what i really want out of life but i don't think i'm gonna be able to get it is it. repetitive it just, yeah it's all the same thing and again it sure is, by the Mark. end it kind <laughs> of makes sense it vaguely makes sense but again but it, it does, doesn't because it doesn't it's, yeah it's cheating yeah, yeah, because there's no internal logic. I think to that's the word the, I was looking for. Internal yeah, there's no logic. internal logic yeah. to the twist as it goes for the rest uh, Mark, of the plot. I and I think I swear yeah. to you, I hadn't read your review yet, and I just opened your website, and your little blurb is it comes across as a manipulative cheat. I feel like I just said that. Like, we <laughs> you did. Just, you did we, say that earlier. <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't trying to echo you, but Don't it's perfect. It. It's perfect it's what, that we both ended up there. Yeah, because I genuinely that's why I asked, do you understand what I'm saying? Because I was like, I yeah. felt cheated. And you I totally too. get that's it. Yeah. I totally absolutely get it. Because that's exactly how I felt. I just I don't know if I felt as strongly about the material leading up to it as you did. I kind of like it maybe if it had leaned in a bit more to the oddity of everything, I might have gone into it. But you could tell like you could tell it's moving towards some big revelation. And uh, yeah, when it gets there doesn't it doesn't work compared to everything that it could have been doing with those odd things with these characters and what they really want out of life it's just not quite enough for that payoff to feel to work emotionally or <laughs> definitely not on a on a plot level and an intellectual level it did not work for me but oh well that's where i'm at with it that's totally fair that's where i'm at with it i guess that means uh, two did you leave it did you land it two? I, i'm at two yeah i guess a two two feels right but it also feels like i'm being too kind because like it doesn't the whole thing falls apart but i don't know there's some merit to its ideas and i you know what i appreciate the big swing that clearly work is it's working for some people it is a new york times critics pick so do with that what you will linoleum i'm sure you can rent it right i don't think it's playing or limit very limited release so yeah it's a limited limited release of it streaming or not on streaming if it's not a digital uh rental now it will be very shortly i'm trying to see what i have listed no it's limited release actually get digital okay. release somewhere well, okay there you have it 
and we'll jump to the next one, which is also a maybe a maybe this is wide. Is Jesus Revolution wide? This is pretty. This is pretty wide. I think this is Lionsgate. Yeah. Uh, this is yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty I, wide. I I interned at Lionsgate about ten years ago now. Jesus Christ! Yeah, it'll be ten years uh, this summer. So I'm always I'm always rooting for Lionsgate. But <laughs> this one this one didn't do it for me. But we'll talk about why after we watch the trailer, which is. Now it's got some nice music in it. Enjoy it. Here you go. Hey, Square. I am not a square. I think we should invite Greg this weekend. What's this weekend? The mountain is high. Oh, these people are hippies, rebels against old-fashioned authority. I think these kids need help. They need is a bath. You're passing judgment on people you know nothing about. Maybe that's why your church is so empty. When God walks in here, brings me a hippie. I'll ask him what it's all about. Because I do not. His house has a very good vibe. There is an empire generation searching. Slow down, man. Slow down. Just in all the wrong places. Now, that's basically the premise of the movie laid out in one line, right? It's about a bunch of hippies in the early 70s who were, you know, already searching for a higher power through being a hippie and doing drugs and that entire lifestyle. So apparently a bunch of them fell for Christian propaganda in mass at around this time. So now a Christian propaganda movie about why that was good. Um, Now, this movie's own words, I would say, like lay it out to be Christian propaganda, right? It's they're sheep without a shepherd. So in comes a Christian guy to take advantage of these hippies desperation. I'm quoting that in quotes because this movie straight up says these people are desperate and looking for truth in life. And you can take advantage of them is <laughs> basically what I got out of it. And what, what Christians get out of it is, isn't that nice? That they found God. I'm like, no, this guy fucking manipulated them. That's that's the movie's own words. I couldn't believe it. Anyway, clearly not a movie for me, uh, atheist, agnostic Jew. <laughs> uh, one of those things. All those things are true at one point in my life. I don't know where I'm at right now, but I definitely don't believe in organized religion. And this movie's not for me. And I, from what I understand from other blog or reviews, is that like this movie looks more like a movie than most Christian propaganda. I I just haven't watched... I don't watch faith-based Christian movies because they're not for me, and I haven't had a movie review podcast when they came out. So this is the first one I've been encountered. I'm sure you've had to watch... Have you I've watched, watched like, a few. God's Not Dead and all that shit? I've like seen that? them. I didn't review those, but okay. I have caught up with them out of you know morbid curiosity, some of those. So, um, what I'll say is... What yeah. I will say is the director of this, the co-director of this, did American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story, which I kind of enjoyed because it's about football and it's about trying to achieve your dream and then at the end it's about christianity i'm like i can handle that i can handle if you throw your propaganda in at the very end i'm <laughs> very cool forgiving with that. You tell yeah. a good story yeah what i mean think about it if you tell a good story and what i'll say is i kind of thought this started off as a pretty good story even though yes it is moving in that direction but i kind of found it intriguing that you have these characters who are trying to live up to this ideal of christianity and that it's about peace and love and accepting people for who they are and for, you know, embracing them and bringing them into the fold and all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, you know what? This feels 
pure in a certain way, like as beyond the organized religion part of it, just like the beliefs, the teachings and all that. Like, yes. Okay. Let's, let's tell this story. And then the movie um, becomes about the infighting within like the Jesus movement. And it never, ever, ever establishes what the actual theology, what the actual philosophy of these various branches of the church are that are apparently now. Well, that would be up. too thorny for their just like oh, basic message of Christianity rocks, right? Exactly, because I mean, I've been. I'm not going to say it outright, but I'm just going to say the big guy who's in this, the hippie Jesus-looking guy who comes in with like the pure message of peace and love. Yeah, yeah, based on a real person. Um, right. If you want to find out why this character just randomly disappears after becoming an egomaniac out of the blue like no seriously i am like jesus i'm the one who's doing all this that's what his character becomes if you want to find out why it does that why it doesn't actually address what happened to this guy look him up his name is Lonnie frisbee he was all i'll say is he had a private life yeah which is not obviously not worthy of judgment it's unless unless you were a part of this church apparently yeah. Then you are not all the peace and love and acceptance and all that. But the movie obviously can't dive into that because otherwise it's getting rid of the whole thing of, you know, we want to try to pull people into Christianity. So you're telling me a Christian movie about peace, love and acceptance left out the fact that this man was gay and died of AIDS and all that stuff. Yeah. And was uh, excommunicated by two churches <laughs> Yeah, in the process because they didn't love and accept who he was. Huh. Um, yeah, Almost I know. like we should have avoided having that character at all, if that's your message. But yeah, exactly. like that really that says that says all you need to say. That yeah. like this whole movie is phony on its face, as phony as like Christian evangelicalism is in this country, as like a nice thing, and instead it's been co-opted as this right wing thing. We will not yeah. get into that here. We won't. We can't. We can't. But yeah, <laughs> I mean can't. that's I mean, if we want to talk about why these movies don't work, it's because yeah, I mean the whole the whole system is wrong in terms of all this now i would have appreciated if this movie had been like trying to get into an actual theological debate and just presented it like this is what the jesus movement was this is what it wanted to be but guess what human beings are fallible human beings have biases human beings have all this stuff they have agendas and all this and if it actually approached like the kelsey Grammer character and this other character kind of clashing and like what they actually want from the church and what they want from christianity and theology and it had approached it in an honest way even to the fault of like, maybe not, you're not going to convert some people. I would have at least appreciated it as a movie yeah. with some real drama behind it, with some real historical impact on what's going yeah. on. And like the movie makes gestures to the fact that like the church does not want hippies in it, but like not enough because the movie just basically says, Oh no, it was all nice. And everyone was a little wrong. Right. Like it doesn't, it's all platitudes that, that make for a nice little Christian movie, but it's hollow bullshit. To yeah. put it, to put it. I mean, lightly. yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's the nice way of putting it. <laughs> it, yeah. it is, it is the nice way of putting it, and it still involves a swear word. Um, yes, it's basically the movie taking Woodstock if it were about God. <laughs> so, as it to say, not very good. I didn't like that movie either. Um, is definitely like inoffensive, even to me, uh, a Jew. I, t- I wasn't like offended <laughs> by this movie. So, like, it's like a two star thing for me. It's not like a one star. Whoa. Thing. But oh like, wow! Yeah, it's not yeah. terrible, or maybe like one and a half. Let's be real. I, I mean, don't know. No, I haven't fine. thought if about it very much. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving it. I'm giving it one and a half, and that's. Well, I can't. Just, I can't outflank yeah. you on this one. I gotta go. I gotta. I gotta go back to one and a half. 
I don't want to do that. I don't want to be the one who's sticking his neck out. I just meant that, you know, it's not horrible, but it's not good. I definitely gave it two out of five on Letterboxd and was waffling. Uh, So they like half of this movie is okay, and then the second half is not. You know, it's got that like almost famous quality where like a guy is like running around with a bunch of hippies and learning about life. Um, but just watch Almost Famous, and there's no yeah, but, God. But the character, the character, yeah. the character, the main character, who's the teenager yeah, running around, he's so dull and boring. boring. Yeah, it's like uh, the Kelsey Grammer's character is more interesting than him. And I mean, he's just preacher who learns that oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't judge hippies. That's more interesting than this character. That's all I'll yeah. say. That's that's the level of dullness. This lead character, who's you know the real life character, has the book that inspired this and i do wonder how much the book actually gets into the truth of all this and how much they whitewashed for the movie versus the book or real history it's hard to tell but yeah i mean once you add in the level of how much they had to take out of the true story just to get the message they want across it really feels disingenuous well there you have it disingenuous um i don't know if i believe in god anymore i'm just saying that this was oh no <laughs> but speaking of God, let's go to another movie about God. Not really. It's just in the title. Uh, this is God's Time. And I'm, I am I now see that Mark liked it, and I'm glad. And I almost, I'm almost there. And we'll talk about what happened on the way. Uh, here's God's Time. Let's just get one thing straight. I am not the hero of this story. That's me. Dev. And I'm absolutely in love with this woman. No one is ever going to come between us. In case you didn't know, this is a meeting for addicts in recovery. I scream at my mother. I fight with my brothers. None of it is enough. My ex-boyfriend kicked me out of my own place and took my dog Baranga. So you know what? I'm going to kill him. Yo! Ah! Wait! He's going to kill Russell! She was just sharing. People share to grow. It's a vent. Just because you got a crush on him, maybe you're reading What? Bro, it's not about a crush, okay? Maybe you're getting a little... All right. I was totally with this movie, Mark, until it has to deliver on its setup. And then it kind of entirely fell apart for me. I didn't care about the relationship dynamic that ended up being like very central to the movie. I just was so in at first because of the what do you call it like i loved the specificity of the world and like the indie world building that we get in the beginning like i love the way he introduced the the aa group or the addicts group whatever it is and i did like the breaking the fourth wall stuff at first but i do admit that it did get annoying it did start to annoy me by the end the like you wanted this didn't you direct to camera implicating the audience shit the fact that someone in this movie literally says, come on, this isn't a movie. It just kind of started weighing itself down with like indie cliches. And by the end, I just wasn't into it anymore. And, you know, I like the well-meaning protagonist who's trying to do the right thing, but is doing really fucked up stuff and keeps going about it in insane ways. And I wanted more of that. And then it just kind of becomes this other thing. And I wasn't interested in what it became. Do you understand that distinction I'm making? Kind of, yes. Yeah, except okay. that I, I appreciated all the things you kind of didn't I see. grow to appreciate. Um yeah. I I I liked the I, I especially did like the fourth wall breaking, which I typically find to be annoying. I actually found I'm in the reverse. I found it to be a little off putting at the beginning, 
and I grew into it as I started to realize like, oh, all this stuff about him saying I'm not the hero actually does pay off by the end. Yeah. Because you realize like he does it and he clarifies the whole thing. Like, I'm not the hero of the story. And he means like, well, I mean, technically I'm the hero of my own story. It's just that I'm not like a superhero. The fact that he has to clarify that, like you get it. It's like, this is like about ego and desperation and how they become this new addiction for these characters of that feeling of needing to be this important in life. And this feeling of just needing, needing something to fill this void that is happening because they're in recovery and they're having some difficulty with it at this time in their lives. It all makes sense to me. Um, but I really did like it. Like, I know you, you said like the part where you really wanted to see this, didn't you? And breaking the fourth wall. What I appreciate really liked about the fourth wall breaking is that the camera itself starts to almost rebel against our lead character dev. And I don't know if I've necessarily seen that. I'm sure I've seen it in a movie, but I can't think of it like, in a recent movie where it like does that, where it does this, like the camera itself is like tr- debating with itself. Like which character yeah. am I actually supposed to be following here? Cause I kind of really don't like this guy that I'm supposed to be following. And I'm much more interested in this other character, this woman who has said that she's going to, you know, kill her boyfriend who kicked her out of her apartment and stole her dog, much more interesting character. And the movie acknowledges that and starts to lean in towards that idea. And I really liked that just internal argument that internal debate the movie is having where it's like this is the perspective i'm seeing it from i assume the filmmaker is like you know this is my the the filmmaker's perspective is like this character i don't i'm not trying to tie in anything to the writer director with what's going on in the movie i'm just saying this is where he's at this is the character he wants to see and then it's almost like he realizes you know what i wrote this one character but the far more interesting character is the one who's on the sidelines right now. And I want to follow that. And I want to see that through. I liked that, that dynamic. Um, yeah. I don't know. And I think it just beyond all that, you know, stylistic stuff, which I appreciated. I liked how the plot is completely unpredictable. I didn't know where this thing was going to go because there are so many um, lies and half truths going on with these characters. So yeah. you don't know where they stand and where these other characters stand who are going to come into the story eventually. Um, I, I like that, but I really just found that connection authentic of needing this replacement addiction. And if, whether it's ego or whether it's just desperation to get a dog back, like I get it. It makes sense to me in my head. Like, and I think the movie does connect to that. And it is that level of specificity of what's going on with these characters in their lives. And in this culture of recovery, I bought it. Um, and I, I, I think it's, I think it's honest to some degree or another. Um, right. On. So that's, that's where I'm at with it. I, I, I did enjoy it and, um, I appreciated what it was doing in terms of the narrative and in terms of perspective and in terms of getting at something deeper beyond just these specific characters and their relationships, just something about addiction and recovery. I, I appreciated that. Yeah, again, I appreciate the intent of a lot of it. I just wish I enjoyed it more by the end. I'm still just like, eh, about it. It's something about that it's just like the over-the-topness mixed with the trying to be so sincere thing. It's just mm-hmm. like, it started to... At some point, it stopped working for me. But it's interesting that I was... We had reverse... Like, yeah, I, I know. That is, that is very really weird. <laughs> I wonder how that happened or why that happened. Um, very interesting. So definitely take... You know, we both... Mark liked it. I'm two and a half... Uh, on God's time, Mark is, I believe, three, I'm right? Three, yeah. Yep. 
three gods times. You know, if I don't have one, I'm not going to say it. Um, that's my new rule. Um, my happy ending is the last one. It'll be our happy ending. Um, Andy McDowell is in this movie and um, that's about it. Hello. There's my wife walking in. If you're watching on YouTube, that's a little bonus. Uh, here's the trailer for my happy ending. Did you see who that was? Julia. Bloody hell. Julia Ross? No, you're confused. It's me, Joey. I did you hear on that Jane Austen movie. What are you doing here? Research for a new role. Oh, wait, what's in your IV? Vitamins. Vitamins? Vitamins. Oh, phew. Good morning, Miss Ross. I've had better. I can imagine. PET CT show stage four metastatic cancer. Eggheads of the world unite. How's your cold? I don't really have a cold. I know it. I have colon cancer. They put me in a room with all these women who can hear you loud and clear. Boy, does that movie get a lot of mileage out of the everyone can hear you because there's no doors in this facility. It's all curtains. Um, and that's supposed to be an impactful, meaningful thing, I think. I don't know. This would have worked better as a play. You can definitely feel that. And it was also a play written by a person who is now deceased, presumably from the disease that is at the center of the movie. So like there's this weight to the story being written by someone who went who went through this experience, right? So like you want to give this movie the credit and the benefit of the doubt, but it's just it's just flat and not like there's not really even good performances in it. The jokes don't really land and it just kind of like, it's kind of off putting, right? Why is it so off putting? I think that's something we should talk about. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, that's, that's because you I, gave it one star and that's, I, also gave it, I really didn't like this. Yeah. This is, yeah. This is again, like cocaine bear level of like not caring for this movie at all. Um, Yeah. I found the whole thing off putting. Cause I think it's trying to keep just how, um, how traumatizing and difficult and troubling this whole situation is. It's just trying to keep it at a distance through comedy and through fantasy. I really did not appreciate all of these like, Oh yeah. Weird holidays they take in their minds somehow like this. It's almost like a group collective um, delusion that's yeah, going it's on. Weird. It doesn't work. Having Maybe it works on stage. It does not work in a movie. Oh, I don't, I, I don't know how it worked on stage, except there's probably like sound effects. They have their eyes closed, their sound effects, they're talking it through. But visualizing like this, it just turns it into, you know, cheesy, cheap, manipulative, you know, crap. I just really yeah. didn't appreciate that. I didn't like McDowell's character. I think she's fine in this, but like when the thing that's so off putting is when they're talking about like cancer and diagnosis, going through chemo, and she's like, you think that's hard? Try being a woman over 50 in Hollywood. And I, I wrote, thought I wrote I wrote down that line too as like the point of no return for this movie. It yeah. is such a it's so yeah. bad. It's such a why would you why would why would that come up? Yeah. I know it's so weird to put it like that. The three other women have far more interesting stories. There's three other women, two of them are multiple cancer survivors, one of them is just having it, and she's she's like a new mother. And her yeah. husband is trying to juggle the kids while she's going through chemo. That's far more interesting of a story. Just imagine that. Imagine like a full-time style thriller, domestic thriller going on with this woman trying to go through chemo while juggling two kids and a job and a husband who probably has a yeah, job. Sounds like imagine a that story. 
But no, um, let's focus on the Hollywood actress who's like weirdly styled after Julia Roberts. I think, like, yeah, they, tr- they really, like, they really try to make her seem like she's Julia Roberts, which is bizarre. Really, really. Maybe they were really trying to cast her. Maybe they were like trying oh, to get yeah. her into doing it, and it just didn't work. And they kept yeah, all the maybe detail. They should, <laughs> yeah, they should have cut back on a little bit of the specific um, parody of Julia Roberts, and maybe Julia <laughs> yes. Roberts would have called them back. I don't know. It is. <laughs> That part is really weird. I'm glad um, you picked up on that too. I don't know if I was crazy. She's, she's named Julia Roth. I mean, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind and of she's a, like very specifically doing the movies that um, Julia Roberts was doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, okay, good point. Um, yeah. Anyway, I don't. I, yeah, I really, 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 really dislike this movie. Um, yeah, it's and considering where it goes that it is like trying to be frank and blunt about um, cancer and chemo, the way that it takes that approach by the end, I'm like, now there's a movie. If you actually make that movie about this decision and this choice and what brings you that, I'm all for that. I'm all for exploring those. But the problem is that's not a very happy or fun or audience friendly movie. And this one clearly wants to be, even though the material, the subject matter is not any of those things. It's trying to be, and it feels fake and it feels dishonest. And yeah, I really, the, really did not like this. The best and nicest thing I can say about this movie is that I think her name's Tamson Gregg. It's so weird. She's not credited on IMDb, nor is she credited. Oh, no, now she is. It's been updated. Tamson Gregg is in this movie as her agent. And Tamson Gregg is a hilarious British actress who stars as Beverly Lincoln on one of my favorite comedy TV shows that is like an unsung, unheralded show that I've turned many people on to watch it is called episodes it is the show on showtime that starred matt leblanc as himself playing you know trying to do roles after joey on friends and matt leblanc is amazing this woman is hilarious as beverly lincoln there's another guy her husband in the show so i'll just use this opportunity to plug episodes a very funny show that had at least three seasons maybe four on showtime definitely check it out Beverly Lincoln, Tamson Gregg is in my happy ending. So let's go back to my happy ending. One and a half stars. I don't know. There's not there's <laughs> there's nothing really to say. I okay. I laughed a couple times. Um I forget what the jokes were. I didn't write them down. But I did <laughs> I was impressed that it made me laugh a couple times because because of how often it did not make me laugh and how like it just wasn't working at all. So like anytime it did do something that worked, I was like, oh okay. And that's why it gets the extra half from me. But yeah. Okay. There you go. There's really not a lot going on here. Like, I don't know. I, I think people, you want to be like, maybe people who went through this would, would appreciate it. And it's like, no, there's much better movies about cancer and dealing with it. You don't have to also deal with this movie. <laughs> Sorry. Um, all right. That was seven movies for February 24th. And we'll be back next week with, I think, about the same number, maybe more. Uh, of- figure it out. Yeah, we have a lot. I have a lot. I'm actually ready to dive in right now. So hopefully. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it's a good thing we're going to be talking early um, because, yeah, we're going to talk about Creed 3 and it's going to be it's going to be a title match. Yeah, it's going to be it's Arnold versus Dusik on the on the top of the bill title card fight next week. We're going at it on Creed 3. I loved it. Mark didn't. We're going to fight about it. That's a little tease for you. Bye.
show starts in one... Shut up. Ush. 